This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Uh, this is, I guess, kind of a goat-related slash COVID-19-related episode. I'm going to talk about herd health and uh, hopefully just this concept in general may help you navigate as we all move into the future as a species. Uh, If you have questions or comments about any of this stuff, please feel free to send me an email at goat.cara at gmail.com. You can find me on the internet at goatdoc.com. You can find me on the Instagram at goat underscore doc. I think that's primarily how to find me. Uh, And I don't have too too much to say I'm trying to record I've been recording things but then I don't have time to sit down and edit them and you know upload them and run them through the like equalizer thing so hopefully the sound quality isn't too terrible um that is like the that is the uh rate limiting step for me right now I'm on the road this morning with Satchmo cause he's got an optho recheck follow up today and I've got to go write some CBIs for some goats um so yeah we're gonna talk about herd health and I'm gonna talk about this in like a pretty animal related way and um kind of what it is and you know I'm not might touch on this at the end a little bit but like why is this important in like a human health kind of way but I found it really interesting I'm, I'm totally like winging this episode um, I found it really interesting as like I did a quick google of like definition of herd health before I started recording that um, this is totally a veterinary thing and it's really kind of interesting to me that it didn't come up as like anything related to human medicine at all because we're a herd Uh, we humans we are a herd of species or group or population or whatever maybe I should google population health and see what comes up there because herd health is like It's a pretty, like, ubiquitous veterinary medicine concept. And we think of animals often as a group of animals, and that changes, like, kind of what hat we wear as vets. But before I get into it too, too much, uh, we will disclaim that this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR, veterinary and client-patient relationship, with your local vet. So, um... And I'll add a little bit onto my disclaimer that 
if you have questions about human medicine, don't ask me. Ask your primary care doctor or someone who has an MD or a PhD in some kind of human medicine-related field. I have opinions about human medicine, but I do not have an education in it. (laughs) So, herd health. What does that mean? Um, I already mentioned, and, like, I realize that I do this um, as a vet. I totally, like... I kind of wear two hats as a veterinarian because specifically being uh, a livestock vet, we tend to think of this in a more specific and concrete way like herd health, individual health. Um, And it's it's just two ways of looking at like health and medicine. Um, Herd health, like defined we've got you know just like the overall group of animals that you're looking at if you google herd health like a herd health program comes up and uh like what does that pertain to what does that mean um the primary things that come up are like um having to do with dairy and beef cattle really the for the for the very much most part have to do with dairy and beef cattle um and they kind of i would separate like and like a herd health program is also a very common thing to hear discussed or like that term that terminology is like you know not uncommon to to be used a herd health program what does that mean and that's like a very concrete and specific thing um that doesn't mean that it doesn't change because things change all the time um we've got so herd health preventative care biosecurity um disease control uh like disease control and like treatment of disease uh and then having like a VCPR basically and there's like those are kind of the four big ones I would say as far as your general herd health thing there are certain farm and livestock associations that have like specific requirements for your herd health program in order for you to be a member Um, I, I can't remember what the dairy group or whatever the dairy like cow dairy something or other um farmers certification like oh, I, I almost can see like the logo but i can't remember what it is right now sorry um like or like if you are animal welfare certified or humane certified or belong to a certain milk collective or have contracts for selling meat to certain vendors like you may have specific requirements for a specific herd health program but um maybe not it just depends on what you are doing with your animals there's a lot of variables that impact how like how intense of a herd health program do you have with your animals and how do you implement that and there's no one size fits all like do you have five animals do you have 500 animals your herd health programs are going to look very very different um like 
you start to get with larger numbers of animals you start to really get into like data driven uh, schedules and maintenance and technology and like that's I mean that's kind of fun um, if you have you know your big herd of 500 animals that's probably where you're going if you have five animals you're probably going to be treating those animals more like individuals and pets um, and goat herd health in particular I think is is interesting because you know I think in general we tend to have fewer animals most goat owners and um, they tend to be I see a lot of goats that are kind of walking the line between pets and livestock and probably like per per capita of animal. Um, I don't know if that's the, the number I'm trying to think of. Like, probably there are more smaller numbers of goats in the country than there are of cows. So, And by saying that, like, there are probably more big like more cows in the country in general so more cattle I should say so beef and dairy cattle there's definitely they way outnumber our goats um and also the locations that they are at is are like um there are a lot more animals per location like if you did an average I should look up some statistics on this there was like a sheep and goat census a couple years ago and that's super fun to look at um but my point in talking about it is that like the lower numbers of animals tend to impact how we handle them and what the herd health approach is. So having said that, um, talking, kind of go through those things about herd health and, um, what does that all entail? Um, your, your personalized herd health plan. What does that look like? It's different for everybody. I already said that. Um, and it, you know, it just depends on what you're doing. I, you know, everybody does something a little different. Um, I guess to start off with like preventative care, there is, um, you know, what does your vaccine schedule look like? What does your, like, general health and maintenance schedule look like? What does, um, you know, how do your animals move around in your herd or not as they move through different life stages and as they move through different, like, pregnancy stages or lactation stages, um, when they're going, like, coming up to wait to go to slaughter, like, what, how, how they, what is the plan to keep those animals healthy as they go through their productive life? Um, they're, like, preventative care is, is something that, like, I really like. Um, how do we prevent disease and um, parasites and like poor nutrition and deficiencies and how do we proactively supplement or provide or vaccinate or do the things that our animals need in order to help them have an optimum and productive life. Um, 
this can be set up in a number of ways. It can be set up on a calendar year. It can be set up on a schedule of like the animal's life and like growing cohorts. So like right now at our place, we're thinking about our kids as they're getting up to weaning age. So our oldest kids right now are like nine and a half weeks old and in another like three or four days they need to start to wean and they need to go to milk once a day rather than twice a day and they need to be eating more grain which they are and they need to be really like more aggressively transitioning over to solid food only because they are a bunch of little fat beasts and (laughs) they need to get out on the pasture for us like that's a whole nother like crazy discussion that I should have with Devin we'll do a Tales from the Farm um episode I know I keep saying that I'm sorry but like Devin and I have so much to kind of recap and go over um but our our ultimate plan for our kids would be that like they basically are getting fed milk three times a day um until eight weeks old then they're going to twice a day for another couple weeks and they're going to once a day for another couple weeks and then they're done and they are little fat beasts this year um i've been very happy with our like our barn our new setup we had like it's been clean it's been dry we haven't i was thinking this this morning as i was feeding kids like we have had no scouring we've had like minimal minimal issues and it's been awesome as far as that goes um i need to say that out loud to devin because i think he's feeling a little overwhelmed with all the stuff right now um but we'll get there we don't have like we'll get there it's gonna be good um so like that is one aspect of our herd health plan what are the like the the metrics and the like growth goals and the timing for these kids to move from milk three times a day to twice a day how old are they how much do they weigh how big are they if there is one kid that's a gigantic beast that kid probably doesn't need milk three times a day for as long as the kid who's like a little peanut and needs a little bit of an extra boost so within your herd health program you can have this calendar schedule And you can decide. You can decide, okay, well, this kid is eight weeks old and it is huge. It's done. But then this other kid is eight weeks old and it's not as big as the rest of the, the kids in its cohort. And it needs a little bit of extra nutrition assistance so it can be set up for a better, uh, life. So that in terms of like your, your general schedule, your preventative care, um, when do you do CDT vaccines? When do you do rabies vaccines? What kind of nutritional plane are your dry dose on, your early pregnancy dose, um, your late pregnancy dose, your milking dose, your bucks? Are you gearing up your bucks to come into the rut and have extra energy so they are making good semen and they have the energy to cover your does like all of these things and like it's kind of fun to think about this stuff it is um 
Yeah, so you can set it up based on your calendar year. You can set it up based on the date of birth of the animal. Um, lots of times it tends to start off based on the date of birth of the animal. And then as, like, for example, your milking does get into, like, their their lactation, their annual kidding lactation, dry-off breeding, um, or breeding dry-off schedule on an annual basis, then you tend to organize your kind of calendar like that. Um Basing your like life events where you need to interact with your animal on like the life events of kidding or breeding or drying off. Like when do you, how do you coordinate what that animal needs at those specific times in its life basically is kind of how you think about setting up that. Um, so, excuse me. Uh, next item would be like talking about biosecurity and this is a really timely topic and like I could have a whole episode talking about biosecurity um what does that mean but like it's a combination of like biology and security um the like how and this is what we are all doing or we should ideally all doing as much as we can right now with the situation of a global pandemic biosecurity like preventing disease from entering your animal's population and like i just paused and did a quick google of biosecurity because this is another like according to wikipedia at least like this is another uh like one health veterinary related uh concept that like this doesn't originate in human health this originates in like our agricultural and livestock and uh like plant growing like ecosystem like our world our environment um it's not it's not something we think about so much in humans uh which blows my mind i guess it's probably just because i've been in it too long that i'm like people don't think about this what is going on um but like it's like a plan to reduce the risk of transmission of infectious diseases between organisms so that is like how do I keep my animals from getting sick? How do I, like, how do I prevent infectious disease from entering my herd? This, this probably sounds very familiar right now in May of 2020, if you are living in the world. Um, how do we prevent spread of infectious disease? My animals are due for, like, all of their biosecurity and dairy testing um and like but they are by and large a closed herd um like they they don't go out they don't go to shows they're pretty minimally risky and i as what my profession is I am the biggest risk to them just like I'm the biggest risk right now to my family and my virus bubble because of my job because of what I do because of interacting with other people 
because of um, kind of being out in the public more. I am the weakest link. So, like, for example, biosecurity, and this is why things like PPE and, like, washing your hands and all of these things are so important right now. Um, Probably everybody's sick of hearing about it, but I'm going to talk about it in terms of goats. Biosecurity for my goats. How, as me, as a fomite, and if you don't know what a fomite is, a fomite is like an inanimate like object usually like an an object it can potentially be an animal or a living thing but usually it's like considered something that's like a towel or a stethoscope or um a clipboard or a piece of paper or like any number of things that like is like a non-living thing that can transmit infectious disease from one organism to another organism. So I am like a fomite, I or, or like, I yeah, I mean, I'm a fomite. If I'm traveling from between herd to herd, I'm a fomite. If I'm traveling between a herd and my own herd, I'm a fomite. I do not want to bring microorganisms home to my goats. Um, If I work with a herd where I'm like lancing a nasty abscess, you better believe that I am going to go home and change my coveralls and uh, wash myself before I go out and see my goats because I don't know what was in that nasty abscess and if that was CL, I sure as heck don't want it in my barn. Um, or if I was out seeing a herd of dairy cows and they had a, you know, they're having like a wasting disease problem and there's a concern about yonis, better believe I'm not wearing my poopy boots back onto my property because I do not want to contaminate my environment with, uh, yonis. Myco, mycobacterium paratuberculosis? Oh, I'm going to have to Google that one. Um... Totally got it. Mycobacterium avium subspecies paratuberculosis. So pretty, pretty close. That's pretty good, I think. Um, uh, we don't know if we are carrying microorganisms. We just don't know. We can't see them. They're microscopic or sometimes even smaller than microscopic. Um, I tend to just assume that I am when I like when I'm out and about that's why I have coveralls in my truck that's why I have truck boots in my truck and that's why I like wash my boots between my calls and um, that's why right now I like wear gloves for everybody I don't I, I like didn't tend to do that before um, COVID-19 but um, I, I really do it now um, like I'm, I'm a fomite. I am something that is potential to transmit infectious disease from one place to the other. And there are things that I do to mitigate it, like I said, coveralls, boots, washing, uh, changing clothes, all of these things. Uh, what else? The, um... This, this biosecurity, right, then, you know, and, like, every, every, like, group, 
population tends to have a little bit of a different thing going on. Um, some... So, like, a, a herd that goes to shows all the time is going to have a different set of, like, immunities and um, antibodies and, like, tolerance for certain things compared to my herd that never goes anywhere. So, biosecurity is kind of a good lead-in to the next concept about, like, specific disease control programs and practices. Um, and this will vary depending on what you've got when you start. Um, if you have healthy animals, like, the best thing you can possibly do is keep them healthy and not buy disease and bring it into your herd. Uh and there's like this is going to mean that there's like overlap between um disease control and uh disease control and prevention and biosecurity like these things kind of you can't really completely talk about one without talking about the other um disease control and prevention you got to have like some level of understanding of the diseases you are trying to control and prevent. You've got to have some level of understanding of like what you've got to begin with. Um, if you, like I said, if you don't have anything, you don't want to buy it in. So how do you prevent buying it in? This is biosecurity and disease control and prevention. Um, you, you know, get test results you quarantine animals when they come in you do fecals like you got to know th things you need to know what you have what you don't want to have and how do you make sure that if you're bringing new animals in you're not getting the thing that you don't want to have um, so all of those things are going to involve understanding of diseases and treatment and screening uh, identifying procedures of like the different diseases. Um, things that are really easy to become an issue in a goat herd infectious diseases and things that can be like a super 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 bummer are infectious diseases like CAE um, or like parasites like resistant parasites can easily come into a herd and that is frustrating um, couple of things to think about with those and like herd health in general so let's say I find an animal that I really want to buy and um, I don't know anything about it other than I like how it looks and I like its pedigree and I think it's going to do something whatever I don't know for some reason I really really want this animal and I don't know anything else about it side note the only animals that I have purchased in the last several years have been from people that I have known for several years minimum of like four to six years and have been pretty closely familiar with their herd uh herd health plans and biosecurity practices and how they manage their animals so like i may be in a bit of an advan advantageous situation in that i have those relationships but like 
you know, knowing how people handle their animals and manage their animals is an important part of um, considering whether you're going to buy a certain animal or not. Um, but I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So I want to buy this doe, whatever. Um, I don't know anything about her um, as far as infectious disease status. And the current owner is like, well, whatever. I haven't done anything. I don't do fecals. I don't do testing, blah, blah, blah. So I am, as the buyer, am responsible for that because, like... I do not want to bring disease into my naive population. And, um, like, a naive population, what does that mean? So that means that, like, whatever the disease is, um, like, respiratory disease is probably a good example of this. And goats, um, like, respiratory syncytial virus is something that can, like, move fairly quickly through a herd and be kind of frustrating and devastating because it's a viral disease and we don't have a lot of treatment and blah 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 um I will have to do an episode about respiratory disease but like my animals do not have um they're not equipped to deal with that virus because they've never been exposed to it and there's well there's a bovine vaccine for essential virus, but again, that's a different conversation. Um, like, let's talk about parasites, because that's a good one. Um, the the This animal that I want to buy hasn't been on, like, maybe this animal doesn't look like it has a lot of parasites. Maybe it's got a good famacha, maybe it's um, nice and pink, and it doesn't have, like, high fecal egg counts, but let's say it's coming from, like, a geographically different part of the world, and it's probably going to have different... Um, different parasites and those parasites are also going to be responsive to different deworming products than what I've got and what I've been using. So this dough that I want to buy is coming from a geographically different part of the world and looks good on physical exam, has a veterinarian examine it and write a health certificate. Um, and you know, when I do an examination for a health certificate, I do a full exam. Um, I look for evidence of externally transmissible parasites, um, mites, lice, um, you know, I check a famacha, I listen to them, I take a temperature, I'm looking for, you know, there's there's only so much evidence you can find on a physical exam without additional diagnostics for um, evidence of communicable disease. So, you know, you do your due diligence, but then you as, or me as the buyer of the animal, I need to do some more due diligence when that animal gets home. Or before that animal gets home, I can require that if that seller wants to go through with the sale, I would like to have XYZ test results done through a lab of my choice um, and then see copies of those results. Even better as far as testing is to see the whole herd test because then we start to get into a conversation about biostatistics and the, oh, hold on, Satchmo. I mean, to come to a little bit of an abrupt stop and Satchmo kind of lost his balance and... I was afraid he was going to fall out of his bed. 
So we get into a, a, a talk about biostatistics and like the imperfect nature of our biological testing for things uh, and like we're getting better at testing for things all the time but as currently seen in the current global pandemic like testing is imperfect and it has to be developed and it gets improved over time and like you know there's there's always nothing in biology and nothing in medicine is ever a hundred percent unfortunately um you can get close but you sometimes certain tests are like more more useful tests if though if they can be applied to a large group of animals rather than an individual animal so i can say i want this animal tested for caecl yonis brucellosis and tuberculosis and those are kind of the big ones um q fever is maybe another one to consider depending on your geographic location uh but like if that animal is one individual in a herd of 100 that test result is less useful to me especially for something like cl uh than if the whole herd is tested the the just like the math and i'm going to be really bad at explaining this because like biostats is not my strong point i like there's like test sensitivity and specificity and powering of your sample size and different uh test methodology uh really like implies how good a test is in terms of false negative or false positive results oh and there's all these things to think about but in general if you have if you're able to buy an animal from a herd that has five years of annual testing for all of those things on the books and it's always been all negative then you're probably good as opposed to you have a herd of 100 animals that's never been tested for anything and you test the one individual animal that you want to buy um there's different there's different things that influence how useful that test is um how like yeah basically like how how much faith and how useful is that test in reality a testing for infectious disease only demonstrates like that animal's status for whatever the thing is you're looking for at that particular instant in time uh there's nothing to say that that animal was negative for something on one day and then positive for it on the next day so then you come into a disease prevention strategy of quarantining your animals and uh, retesting for these things like those are those are things to think about something like CAE unfortunately it belongs to a, a group of viruses called lentiviruses and that means that they're slow viruses like literally the translation of them lenti means slow um and they're slow moving they're slow to cause problems like they typically just are like oh those animals look fine until they start to decline at some point in time who knows when um 
so like you're looking at that animal and testing it and then when you get it and then testing it six months later because say you buy a pregnant doe and you test her and she's negative for CAE and then you're like great I'm in the clear no problem and then you know test her six months later after she kitted and after you've been pooling her milk with all your other does to feed to kids and then they all have CAE because your te- and your test comes back from that doe positive. So now you've spread unknowingly spread around a whole bunch of infectious disease. Because testing is imperfect, because diseases behave in different ways. And the, like that's just the reality of the situation of biology and science and medicine is that it's imperfect and we can only do the best we can. Um so that would be like talking about your disease prevention strategy um other like and then so let's say you have a completely closed herd that has like and this is a like the swine industry is a really good example of this like this the production swine industry in the united states and probably in most of north america is a really actually i know in most of north america because i follow some really excellent swine farmers on instagram who have meticulous beautiful swine operations where it's everything is clean and beautiful um but like the biosecurity practices in these operations are extremely strict it's like you get there and you take a shower and you change your clothes and you have to wear the stuff that is there when you get there and that's you know that's the way it goes because especially between swine and humans like there are diseases that are transmissible or there are diseases that humans can carry in and give to pigs um and that's that's a problem you don't want that um to let my phone tell me where to go and the best way to get to trader joe's right now um the um so like yeah so that's like very strict biosecurity protocols and like the uh, and disease prevention and preventing disease transmission um so even if you have like the most meticulous and strict biosecurity protocols you possibly can have there's definitely like there's bacteria everywhere nothing is sterile so you can have diseases like mastitis and you can have respiratory diseases and you can have things that you can't control like wildlife Um, and those are other things that you have to consider as well for disease prevention and uh, like treatment and mitigation so what are your protocols for that how do you how do you treat those animals if one animal is exposed to something that's like environmental or um like wildlife related or things like that how do you address that problem so that's that's part of disease prevention and management as well um yeah sometimes disease just happens what else um so yeah and then i think that's covering most of the things and then the last thing is like having a bcpr so you can have uh your vet talk with you about these things and help you troubleshoot when there's issues um it's like it's problem solving it's it's kind of sounds kind of messed up to say that it's fun but like this is one of the things that I like about what I do is that it is like all problem solving all the time it's like a puzzle and I like to figure it out um the 
and this uh, kind of going back to what I, I started I just touched on at the beginning is that as a vet I feel like especially with livestock and groups of animals I wear two different hats I wear a hat of um, like I deal with this animal this population of animals and I deal with um, like this population of animals as a group and I deal with this this individual animal and there's two different ways of dealing with it and like it's in all walks of vet med though because like there's there's population health from like you know your thousand cow dairy to your 20 goat backyard herd to like your group of if you're like me five dogs that live with you or like your shelter medicine is is population medicine too there there's different dynamics of how disease plays in groups versus how disease plays in individuals Um, on the human medicine side i think most of us are familiar with how disease plays in individuals and that's probably i feel like how most mds deal with it MDs that are out there and listening, you know, shoot me an email and correct me if I'm wrong and maybe like let's have a a guest MD on on the podcast so we can talk about like the differences between how human health, like individual health versus population health is handled in our like let's how are you educated about it? How am I educated about it? How do I think about it? How do you think about it? Um because we think about it all the time. Um and there's a like Sometimes there's like, does this, how does this affect this group? How does this affect this individual? When I'm on an individual basis, what do I do to benefit that individual's health and well being? Can I treat that individual? Can I save that individual? Is that individual, and this is, you know, this is getting into like, you know, you talk about, is it better for that individual to be culled from the population uh, for the benefit of the greater good of the herd. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too political here and go down that route of like, has that been suggested in our current uh, global health pandemic situation? I don't know. Perhaps. Um, what does that mean? These are all very interesting things to consider, I think. Um, I hope that talking about herd health in this way has maybe been somewhat informative and interesting. It's all pretty, like, general information, I think. If you have questions about it, shoot me an email. Find me on the internet at goat.com. And um, there's a contact tab on there, I think that you can well send me an email if you've got questions um and yeah well um i think that's gonna do it for the moment i will try to loosen up the bottleneck of editing and <laughs> sound equalizing and all of those things and get some podcasts out to y'all um and hopefully Devin and I can record sometime soon too. But that will do it for the moment. I'll talk to you guys next time.